Hello and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name is Matt. And I'm Matt too. We're going to talk about the future of education today. Uh, we're, we're prognosticating again. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> I know, because who knows where this could come. Sometimes we get things right, mostly we get things really wrong. That's a good point. Well, good thing nobody knows what they're doing about the future of learning. Uh, no. Because uh, we don't know what we're doing in the present. That is a great way to start right there. Right there. It's all out the window. So right now, what, are, what is one of the biggest positives for change in education going forward? I'm going to start. Go ahead. <laughs> Might give you a hint of what I'm talking about. As I'm saying that, I'm like, that's not really a sentence. So I think we have exposed the major differences that we've had in teaching our kids between districts, between school buildings, between grades, between teachers themselves. When we talk about uh, how many teachers right now are providing resources to their kids in this time of remote learning, we know that that's all over the place, right? All over the place, all over the map. So doesn't that also imply that our teachers were kind of all over the map beforehand doing different things for, for kids? Some were amazing some were average some were not doing you, probably what they could have been yeah you want to believe that being together and having you know a hundred plus years of a system behind you that it would be more together but it also raises the question were they was it yeah. all was I mean, to what extent really was it if if we can't just eat, do an easy transition to here and everything's all over the map it's a legitimate question to ask. Well, to what extent was it really somewhat together before? So, and I'm not going to say that any of this is really the teacher's fault. I'm going to obviously say this is our system's fault that we've set up systems. So it's okay to do those things because right. you and I talk about all the time about uh, meeting all the kids needs, right? We, we want to, mm -hmm. our, our goal of school is to meet the students needs. And we know in the system that we have, we don't do that. We don't. We just, we just don't. And I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to get to 100%, but it should be more than what it is now, for sure. And we, we might never get to 100%. But no, I, I, think, I don't know but, if that's but, possible. But I think the, the, the fact that this is showing is that maybe what we thought was a high percentage, maybe really wasn't. Yeah. And perhaps there were other ways that we could have done things to do things, to get more engagement, to get more connection, to get more deeper, authentic learning happening across the grade spans, across the content areas that for one reason or other, we had an either an intentional or an unintentional blinder on. Yeah. I think it was unintentional for the most part, because you're right. We've had the system for a hundred something years and we've just been, doing it it's just been the way it is it's just the way it is exactly and so i know that change is difficult for people especially when you try to do large scale change but i think that this is an opportunity as people say all the time now to make some real change and one mm -hmm. of the one of the first changes that that i think of is when we talk about meeting all kids needs i've heard a lot of talk recently about okay we're not coming back for the rest of the school year so when they come back in the fall 
they're going to be quote all over the place. Yeah. Right. So of course my immediate thought is, well, they were in the first place too. <laughs> they were, they were before in regular school. We just didn't know it. Right. Right. We, we, but we could just, we can just, you know, if they, if they get through the year, we could just assume that they're at the place when they come to us that they're at our level. So we can just start where we normally start. Cause we can make the assumption that they've met, that they're there. You know why we can make that assumption, Matt? Why is that, Matt? Because I, as the teacher, covered all that stuff last year. Exactly. I taught it, therefore they learned it. Exactly. And that's the system that we've had for years and years and years. I, I said it. They listened. Of course they and, did. And, and my first grader would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> because Great. I say things and it's like talking to a brick. Oh, that's funny. I have that. Same issue with my 23-year-old at times. <laughs> oh, so you're telling me I have something to look forward to. <laughs> Nothing changes. Awesome. So I think, I think that exposes a lot that we didn't know beforehand. Or it's coming to the forefront. When, the forefront. when we know that kids are going to come back in September, October, November, whenever we do come back to in-person learning, that kids are going to be all over the place. My argument that I keep to myself is they were before – Unless mm -hmm. we had like a progression of learning that exposed those standards, targets, competencies, whatever you want to call them, and gathering evidence towards those things that kids are supposed to learn and or demonstrate. And that way you'll always know where they are. Exactly. And you won't have to guess anymore. One of the discussions I had today was with people was, well, how are we going to figure it out in the fall when they come back? And immediately it's like, well, you know, we have all these tests we can give them and we'll figure it out. And I'm like, that is not the answer. That no. is not the answer. You got to think a little bit bigger than that. Yeah, no, you have to, you could look at the evidence of where they were at before. And yes, you can do an assessment, a screening or so, but there are other ways to figure that out that are not yeah. so, not only invasive, but unauthentic. You imagine coming back in the fall after being out since March and doing distance learning. And the first thing you do when you go back to school is start taking tests. Yeah, that's welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back, kids. It's, I know it's been six months. Um, yeah. Here's two weeks of tests so we can figure out what you know. <laughs> Where the hell you are. My God, that would be I the mean, worst thing. I mean, because, cause, well, yeah, because you think about there's the amount of, of trauma that all of us are going through during this, right? That we're all being socially distant and isolated from everyone. And, if, and the, the moments we get back together, you're going to tell me to be quiet and mm -hmm. to take a test? Yep. All right. What, you expect me to be quiet? No. No. Adults wouldn't do that because you'll see once this is all over, adults are going out to the bars. That's where they're going. Well, to be, to pull, Maybe the, that's where I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit. We're at separate bars right now doing this one. Yes. We're the only yeah. ones in here in my, my Freeport town and your Topsom town. Yep. To be that's, fair, I broke a window to get in. Well, well, me too, obviously. Yeah. Cause they, they weren't open, but you know, Hey, we got to record Papa's somehow to get his medicine. <laughs> Gotta record somehow. So I I do think that this is an opportunity to think bigger than okay. We know they're going to be all over the place. So what is our long term vision? How to fix this? Not our 
okay, let's get this done by September and we'll just go back to the way it was. Yeah, and instead of thinking from a defeatist perspective, which is, oh, they're, they're going to be all over the place. What can we do? It's like, no, we can figure out where they are and we start them there. Yep. This is an opportunity to actually do that and to have justification that everyone can buy into Agreed. to be like, no, we start them where they are, not where we think that they should be because we know they're not, gonna, they're not all going to be there. Yep. Some might, but others won't be. And you're just, you're just really going to, as an educator, you're going to sit there and start off and knowingly say, you all who aren't here, I don't care. Yep. Because I'm starting where I'm starting. Right. And that is a mentality that I think that no educator would willingly go into because they, they all want to help. They all want to do what they, what's right for the kids. It's one of the things that I'm hearing is such a traumatic experience is that knowing that um, they're not going to see these kids again until possibly next year, maybe yeah. ever if they're graduating. Yeah. And they never got to say goodbye. Never had that closure moment. Right. So how could you, they're not that kind, they don't have that malicious mentality. Educators don't, educators just don't have that. I don't believe that. Right. So instead we actually, it'll be make rational sense to say, no, I can't do that. So I have to try to figure out where each kid is and start them from there. Do you think that this kind of change that we're talking about will be derailed by administrators like you and I? <laughs> Oh, we're the worst. We are the worst. Um, and and I get why we're the worst. But do you think that teachers would be able to push back? Or do you think this would be administrator-led uh, if you had to pick one of the two? And it's probably not one of the two. But My, my, my hope is that it is, it is going to be teacher-led and that the teachers are going to be like, we, we can't do it that way. Because if we do, we're just going to be driving ourselves nuts. I mean, if they think of that pragmatic level for them, we can't do it that way. Um, and that the administrator, I, I don't know who's going to, who's going to start it, who's going to spark it. Maybe, a, maybe a, I'll hedge my bets and say a bit of both. Uh, that's what I would guess too, that there's, there's enough people to really make some type of push, but I think that it needs to be made aware that this is going to be an issue. So, so more people get into this. I'll tell you, I, and I'm a big fan of this, and I know I, to what extent you are too, I think, but there's never been more of a need right now going forward for instructional coaching. Agreed. Because they are the folks who are going to be on those quote unquote front lines, working with those teachers, helping them navigate how to do all this stuff that building administrators and district administrators just can't do. Yep. Yep. I would agree. The, if, so if you're a teacher out there listening uh, grab onto some of those coaches and yeah, and use them. That's what they're there for. That's literally why they're there. Yeah. And if you're in a district that does not have any coaches, uh, get some, get some, start talking about it, start saying we need help also. Uh, and I think these three months that we've had off or going to have off is going to make that even more apparent that teachers need help too. And it can't be just from each other or from, um, a principal. Sometimes you need, you need help with just being you as a teacher right? Uh, that you can't get from a peer because they're busy too trying to figure it all out. But a coach, yes. you're right. That is literally what they are there for. So go find one. If you're in a district doesn't, doesn't have one, go make friends with one and use them that way. Right. And then recruit them. <laughs>
I, I don't really know. Maybe you can get some through this uh, through the CARES Act. I, I don't know, but there's there's got to be something different that's coming for school, and that was that's always been my first thought. Uh, maybe it's because I'm trying to work with the the vision of progressions of learning in the district that I'm in right now, and it's going slow, and they don't really know what that is, but I think they might know that now. But 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 that's what one of the things that I see as such a big eye opener for this this one of the. Be- quote unquote benefits of what's happening here, one of the plus sides or silver linings is that these things that have been out there for a long time, technology integration, personalizing learning, the need for instructional coaching, et cetera, they've been out there for a while, but people have been so busy and had had their tunnel vision of what they've been doing that it hasn't felt either important or urgent. And so because of that, it just falls down to a less, less priority. I'm, I, I've got my teaching. I've got my classroom. I know what I need to do. I got to get this stuff done. And this way, A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z, boom, boom, boom. I'm going to do it. Well, now when everything's changed, there's going to have to be some realization of there are other, the, 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 these other things that have been out there for a long time. I can utilize them. I just now have to... I have to own it. I have to look myself in the mirror and be like, it's okay to try something new. It's okay to change. It's okay to try this because I have to, because my kids deserve it. And I think that there's never been a better opportunity to do that. I think that leads systemically. I think that leads perfectly into the other thing that I wanted to talk about for this episode. Um, You just mentioned about teachers like feeling the need that they, have to do something else that they are doing something else, which brings us to the role of technology mm-hmm. in schools. Now uh, we've talked a lot about, I think in the past about that tech isn't the answer, but it's a tool to help you uh, connect with the kids uh, a little exactly. bit better. To leverage the learning. And I think that right now that is exactly what we're doing uh, because we're not seeing these kids uh in person every day. I'm still watching, uh, as a side listeners, I'm still watching the blizzard happen outside my house. Um, yeah, it, I've looked, I, I looked outside 20 minutes ago and I could see the grass in my driveway. I look out now and it's nothing but white. Our admin team talked today about potentially calling a snow day tomorrow if we had in-person school uh, because they're getting like a lot up there. I'm like, it's the middle of April. Okay. It's not right. It's just not right. I, I, so I have a question for you about this. Yeah. Where's the so-called global warming? So let's talk about technology and education <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think people are getting better at reading graphs, perhaps, when everybody, I think everybody in the world knows what flatten the curve means at this point. Yes. Uh, so I think I, as a math teacher, I'm extremely happy that graphs are getting some, some high praise these days and people actually can understand them. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that translates to climate change anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, well, my partner's a public health expert and she's like, the amount of people who just talk about epidemiology now is really exciting. And I'm like, yeah, because they've learned a new word and they learn it's it's great, isn't it? It's it's so exciting. Fun. Oh my god. It All is graphs so and charts and statistics and data. Yeah, evidence. What? What? So all of that are all of that is good. Uh, and 
we talked about on uh, a pod, which may have happened like five or six years ago at this point, about how teachers are getting so much better and comfortable using technology because they have to right now. Right. I mean, it's been it's been what four, almost four weeks out at this point, and uh, they're doing some amazing things. Even the teachers who had like no knowledge of technology and never used it are all of a sudden having Zoom meetings, uh, connecting with kids, uh, assigning things, uh, using uh, yeah. using technology for distance learning. And it's as you mentioned before, they're doing some amazing and incredible things. Yeah, these are I know teachers who have said to me in the past. Nope, I'm not going to go to any of that training on Google Classroom or tech yep. integration because I will never, ever, ever need to use it. Yep. Because I do, this is the way I do this particular class or, or this, 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 the CTE program. There's no way I would ever need any of that. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's here. And they're like, okay, so I do need it now, which is great. Okay. Yep. And they say, they're, now they're saying, oh, this is how I could have been using it. Mm-hmm. Or, I could change how I do things in the future, but to connect more folks in this particular way. So these, these light bulb moments are coming up because it's happening in a real authentic way, which is the exact same thing we say about learning for our, for our learners, for our kids, for our students in the schools, yep. which is that if you really want them to do that deep level of learning, it's gotta be authentic. It's gotta be meaningful and it's gotta be engaging. And so now we're living that same thing in a new learning environment right now. It's exciting to see. I think one of the nice things that I've seen is that teachers are not asking, like, how do I use this? Or how, how would I do this? Uh, at least not to me. They're asking uh, their peers, their colleagues, uh, some of our learners, they're asking. Yeah. Uh, because, learners are stepping up. Oh, my God. They catch on to things so much, so much faster. And... Uh, you know, I get that from my daughters all the time when I'm trying to figure something out, like maybe our Facebook live fiasco, uh, <laughs> throwback, uh, to multiple ones or throw ahead. We're going to have the same problem again. Anyway. We so will. what, what their we will, usual we will do this until we get it. Their usual things for what, what are we trying to figure out is, well, let's just go to YouTube and figure it out. Cause somebody else has figured out all of our problems, right? Which is not our generations go to. No but they go to it every time, whether it's what, I don't know how to click this button, it's not coming up. I'll go to YouTube and figure this out pretty quickly. Cause and someone has gone through someone's it already. Done this. Yep, someone's already done this. That's the thing is that we're not the first to have gone through this remote distance learning. It's been happening for a decade plus. Yep. Probably for a long time. People have figured this stuff out now. It's just now it's being done on a mass scale. Yep. It's nice to see that our learners and our teachers are working together to do this. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is not just the teacher being all in super control anymore. Um, and because they have to, you know, because they have to work together at this point. Right. Uh, so I, I think it's a good idea. Uh, when I was talking in the last pod about the, the kid who really is starting to enjoy remote learning because he can make his own schedule. He can get up a little bit later. It's showing him what the priorities are, but he makes those decisions for good or for bad. And he says, it's not perfect. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I'm trying to figure out something that works for me, but I'm still Mm -hmm. doing the learning. And right there should be our lesson of like, well, why can't we do that for everybody? It's a little harder, but as, as we just said, 
teachers are doing some amazing things that they never would have done a month ago. And they're doing right. it and finding it, you know, this isn't so bad. I can do it, this. It, it can be done. And maybe just maybe it's working for kids who my way that I was doing before it wasn't working for. Mm -hmm. And those are the aha moments that I'm seeing teachers have, which are truly like ground, sh ground shaking. Agreed. Which are, just, which are great because it's like they've just made a connection to how to deepen learning with an individual, with a kid. And then that kid's going to be better off for that. And then other kids later on are going to be better off because of that. And that's exactly why we got into this profession in the first place was to help kids out and to make a ton of money. Well, Wait, at least not the second one, at least we got one of them done. Yeah. Right. Yep. At least, at least we got one of them. Well, I, I could hope we I've helped kids along the way at some point. <laughs> I got hope. Let's hope. Let's hope we've yeah. all done that. Uh, and I think again, just to put a bow on this one, I think our teachers are doing an amazing job uh, wherever they are Ditto. in this state, in this country. But we know we know Maine pretty well, and they're they're doing some great things. And it's another two months or so that we have of this before summer vacation. And they're going to do some more incredible things in the next few weeks. It's going to be something to see. Yep. It's going to be good. So what we would like to do as a podcast is like um, kind of promote some of those things. So we got great response from listeners last time. Uh, we, we talked about a whole number of things, uh, including, you know, can you survive on burgers? Right. Uh, Which, yes, you can, but you can only eat them only. Yep. Uh, we learned. I gave, I gave up on that project, by the way. We learned if a uh, hot dog was a sandwich, which it is. Now, I guess my follow-up would be: What if you put boogers on a hot dog sandwich? That's just a topic. It's like onions, or chili, or Even cheese. Let's hope it looks more like onions and not like chili. But uh, we also went through <laughs> chili. The, oh, the the IMDb catalog of Ernest Borgnine. We did super fun. That I got. I got to be honest with you, Matt. That was one of the most fun <laughs> podcast episodes I've had. Agreed, agreed. Uh, so we're looking. Oh wait, we also had some educational questions and comments too. Blah blah blah. I actually forget what they were. I remember the well, one of them was actually about this. Is where do we go from here? Oh good. Oh wait, you know? really? More we're so you. good. Uh, we're looking for more. So we're look, looking for more uh, questions, comments, plot ideas in this time uh so if you can let us know where do you let us know matt uh on twitter at main ed matters or on facebook at facebook.com slash main education matters don't want to know any of that just go to our website main education matters .com. all the info is there all the info is there uh if you've been tweeting at us uh many of you are uh liking our stuff and retweeting our stuff you know who you are uh, we're you sorry know who you are. We're sorry for you, for, first of all. Like, why do you listen to this nonsense? Get a hobby. My God, I know. You know what it is? Start your own damn podcast. No, wait, we, we don't want competitors. No, don't, no. no competitors. No, no, uh, do not start a podcast. Well, actually, my, one of my questions is, are we still getting the listenership? Because I know a lot of people probably listened in the car on their commute, and there's no more commuting. So when would people actually listen to us? It's funny because I was reading something the other day that is showing podcast listenership is down like 30%. Yeah. 
because yeah. because of, there's no more commute. I am so far behind on stuff that I usually consistently listen to. And it's yeah. like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to go walk. Where in our case right now, snowshoe outside. Snowshoe. Yeah. yeah, this is something. So yeah, so if you're still listening, <laughs> A, if you're still listening. Which no one is. Which no one is. Uh, then Then good for you. And tell us your tricks on how you stay up with your podcasts now than a time of no commuting. We'd like yeah. to know because I, I'd like to learn. I'd like a tip. Yes. Yeah. So uh, let us Just know. Tip is fine. <laughs> we will talk soon. Bye.